Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby Talks. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. Mate, we're back. Finals footy. It's raring. Honestly, all four games this past weekend, fucking outstanding. Loved them all, except one. Um, and I think you know what one that was, but even then... Yeah. Bro, VC, can... I think this is the best competitive final series I've seen in a while now. You know, last year, you can definitely tell there's going to be a couple of teams that are going to drop off. Uh, and then you got a couple surprises of like, and just real dominance in some aspects, but they were all thrillers to watch. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And you look at all the teams that are playing even this week at the semi-finals. Um, Warriors have had some close games with Penrith. Knights themselves have had a close game with Penrith. Um, Storm and Roosters, we know what they're capable of on their day. So even though, you know, we're not we're not fully at the prelim stage just yet, I definitely think that we're going to see some prelim-level games because that, that Warriors and Knights game... I've got that circled right out. I think that's going to be absolutely outstanding rugby league to watch. Well, it's back in Auckland. Waz got the SJ back. Uh, No uh, Hastings for Knights. You got Gamble instead. $1.55 for Waz. $2.47 for Newcastle at this point as of Wednesday night. So you can tell who the favourites are and rightfully so back at home. I think a lot of teams this season are very scared to go to like Auckland or New Zealand in general because of how good Wars have performed there. Uh, I'll have to check their um, win-loss ratio at home, but I think it'll be pretty good from the Warriors' side from memory. Yeah, no, well, they've, they've definitely turned uh, Mount Smart into something of a fortress over the past year under Andrew Webster. And I think the style of footy they play as well makes it such an intimidating thing to go against because it's it's incredibly energy based, right? Like all yeah. really well coached teams are. Um, they're not a team that takes any shortcuts. They're constantly smashing teams just purely off line speed and just pure tackling technique. And if there's a way to win a football game, it's got to be that. And Penrith have shown us that for ages. So it's just going to be it's going to be an absolutely hostile environment for Newcastle to go into but I think if any team's going to overcome that it's going to be a team led by Lord Gamble so it'll be very fascinating to see how that goes well was this season a complete polar opposite of what they were last season with Mm. their one percenters the way they carried themselves uh performance base uh individual performance base Sean Johnson heavily improved from last season. We were very vocal, or I think everyone was very vocal about how he constructed himself in that play style he did last season. And he certainly, mm. he's built on top of that week after week and it just shows how good SJ is. And we're going okay. back to that 2011 young kid, touch footy background, slicing it up, playing backyard footy kind of things. While he's not exactly doing that now. He, he's shifted more to that controlling seven and organisation seven. And you can see it in the way he kicks. He's that kick, yep. kicking seven. He's adapted that game as he's aged. He's adapted 
with how his body wants to play. And I think definitely agree. How old is he now? Thirty-three, something like that. Is is he around that age? I have a feeling he could be a little bit younger. But either way, it's no, I agree completely. It's remarkable how he's been able to tailor his game to where his body is at the moment in this stage of his career. Yeah, he is thirty-three. That's that's yeah. astonishing. Um, for him to be able to build his game the way he has this season, and still keep his strengths like I think we talked about at one point last year or yeah it would have been possibly a bit early about Sean Johnson's ability to kind of hold the ball to the line in attack yeah um he's he's really built it off that and being able to model his game is a more kind of cleary style halfback where he just holds the ball holds the ball holds the ball and then releases at the very end and it just adds so much deception to his game. And when you've got that experience, you know, it's something that um, Kieran Foran spoke about, you know, getting older, how the game kind of slows down for you after a while and you're able to kind of recognize patterns much more quickly than you used to. Um, I think that Sean Johnson's just tailored his play style to that as well and being experienced. And this is the level-headed calm Sean Johnson that we all kind of wanted to see him grow into as a veteran so it's just absolutely fantastic to be able to watch well I go back to that 2011 grand final uh, Manly versus Waz and like Sean jo- like I think it was four and DC and Johnson were all coming off their rookie years DC even in, uh, rookie of the year that year and yep. like around that there's that big talk about SJ being that guy who that's up and comer who could just step you and put you in six feet under, break your ankles. And I think he was able to do that. And he was very prominent with that because he had James Maloney there on the other edge as their six. No, Maloney. A very young Maloney. Yeah, a young Maloney. Like, both these teams had young halves, but Maloney being the more mature one, he knew... He's played finals footy before. I think he played in that uh, finals game against Storm, where they won in Melbourne, which Cronk, Slater, Smith, that's hard to do. Yeah. But I think Johnson's now going to be transitioning to this Maloney, Maloney role where he's more mature. He's going to allow your Metcalf, who's currently injured, unfortunately, but you're also your Tatera Martin, who can play their unstructured footy, but also be a little loose. You know, they're not so tight and in stress because they can have breathing room to do what they need to do because SJ's holding the ball, uh, making the question, making the defensive line question themselves, uh, really using his second rower to the best of his ability. Uh, but also, AFB is a byproduct of this because he's been a tri-scoring machine He's having one of his best uh, seasons ever. Probably his best season in since... Easily. Yeah. He's been outstanding. There's so much small technical stuff in his game this year as well that I think improves a lot under Webster. Um, Something that... And this is the exact same thing you see Payne Haas do a lot at the Broncos. Uh, The forwards who kind of place themselves with a late step to drag in the half 
uh, to make the tackle as third men in because what it does is it opens up that short side. Uh, Broncos do it a lot with Haas over on the left and what they do is they run the short side raid with Ezra Mamet, first receiver. And it's something that you see a fair bit with the Warriors as well because it's one of those things that just helps drag in those centers and it forces the fullback to plug the short side as well. So you can get the um, grubbers in as well, something Johnson's really good at. So that's, like, I know I've just gone on, like, five different things that flow on from it or something stupid. But basically, yeah, just that small detail in AFB's game where he's able to consistently so often drag in opposite halves through his late footwork and the way that it's able to open up the rest of the Warriors' attacking shapes. Well, just on, like, like, I think everyone can, like, every team, of course, can improve with a Payne Haas-style player, uh, especially when you have the double duo of a Payne Haas but a Paddy Callaghan sort of player, both boys who love to run the footy hard, leadership, but also can ball play, and that's Tohu Harris and AFB at the moment. AFB doing the offloads, but Toho really, he, he'll play first receiver at times, and that will allow someone to run a lead. SJ, he gets, it gives him more space, it gives him more room where he can decide, okay, I have Charney's coming out, supporting me at the back. I have Nakora, who's on, on my right right now. I have Cleary in front of me, or I have whoever who I can just go short to bring him in, and then bring his centre in. Which then opens more opportunity on that short side on the next play. So it's really technical stuff, and I think Rebster being there as a coach now, he's brought that Penrith style of footy because he knows how well a lock, a ball-playing lock can do. Mm. And he also knows the defensive efforts. To me, he's coach of the year. Yeah. It's between him and Kevy, in my opinion. And you see how much faith he's put into these boys, but also the the, the confidence they have in him, especially SJ. Uh, I think it was Billy Walters who said it best. I have a co- like last year. I finally have a coach. Well, I have a coach now who has confidence in me. Any coach that has confidence in a star player can perform well if he's given the mm-hmm. right tools. And I think that was SJ this season. You know, he, he came off calf and Achilles injuries. Uh, he didn't have the greatest time at the Shire. Didn't play finals footy in his last year, I think, at the Sharks. And he only played six games. Uh, yeah. What, you know, a another rough year last year with Waz because of a disjointed home and away season. Uh, coach get, coach is getting sacked. Uh, really just not a foundation was built there for that club. And now they're back at home. Their foundation is back. They love playing at home. They have their supporters. They have, uh, well, the New Zealand Joker. You know, they have these things that Shui allow Vasa. them. Yeah, Shui Vasa. Uh, allow these players to have confidence in themselves again. You know, I still, I am still to believe that these boys should have had an entire season at home because fuck, they deserve it. They kept the game alive, mm. as everyone says, but 
you know, they also got players who aren't even from New Zealand, who don't have family in New Zealand, to come to New Zealand from Australia. You know, you got Mitchell Barnett, Dylan Walker, CNK, uh, Josh Curran, who's been there for a while, but he's not Kiwi. Uh, he's got all these players. Oh, and Ray Egan, who, former Penrith Panther, by the way, if you didn't know, Tatera Martin, all these, and Luke Metcalf, all these boys that go to New Zealand and can just play some solid footy, a lot of confidence, like confidence with their coach. And the coach just lets, I think he just lets it rain. He goes, all right, here's our video session for the week. This is what we need to look at. You now figure out how we're going to stop that. Or this is how hmm. they've, de- this is how they defend. Spine meeting in 10 minutes. What are we going to do? Stuff like that. He's, and SJ, he and Tatero Martin, they're both mature players. They've played several seasons of NRL, near decades. Martin's been at a lot of, like a couple of clubs now. He's been, uh, Penrith, Cows, Bronx, and now Raz. He had a couple of years off because of that brain bleed. But it, it, like, it still sits at the back of your mind. Like how to play, like what you need to do to play footy. And CNK, who went from two years of injury prone, not knowing, not, like not knowing his role inside a team, to now being the number one fullback, who I think will have confidence in himself that RTS won't come back next year and take his spot. He'll probably be played in the centres or wing. Uh, I think centers because uh, who is the center that Cowboys just signed from Waz? That would be Viliami Vilea. There you go. So RTS, I, you know he's going to get a spot straight up. It's just where in that back line in like the two to five range. So yeah, you don't take CNK out of fullback. CNK is a player that will run the ball up the middle who isn't afraid to take a hit up, and it just never stops. Yep. You take this up against a Newcastle side who has a very similar fullback in Caelan Ponga, who, while he doesn't take hit-ups, it's more his support running it's his and his ball playing that helps Newcastle. And I think that's where the two sides will see the difference. It's in the middle again because middles are that games are won in the middle. But mm-hmm. it's how you have these amazing spine players and these ball carriers and ball players that will won't hesitate and go through the middle. You know, KP's gotta be wary because of his head knock history. And but that's okay because we like we know how good these he can be in the short side. He's very dangerous. And that's something Sean Johnson and Chinese will have to look out on the weekend. Yeah, I agree completely. And on the Warriors and Penrith comparisons too, I want to add to that with Chance Nickel-Clockstad. He really does play in a very, very similar way to Dylan Edwards. Yeah. Um, he prides his game on strong carries. He is, I believe Chance is one of the best defensive fullbacks in the comp right now. 
I think that his small efforts with positioning and his one percenters are absolutely outstanding. He's fantastic under the high ball. So I've absolutely loved the story of how Chance Nickel Clockstart has played. Um, Tuovasa Shek was pretty similar when he played fullback as well. He was actually quite fantastic defensively. I know that everyone remembers him for his uh, steps, his flashiness, but I think there's a lot of Warriors fans who deep down in their hearts, the things they actually remember about Tuovasa Shek are his tri-savers and how they could just depend on him to be exactly where he needed to be. Um, yeah, that's why it was Dalian player of the year. So I think he's going to bring a very similar attitude to the team and buy into that culture. Because once again, building a culture is, you know, it's what you, it's what you need to do in a rugby league team. I think one of the best things that you've ever said on this potty and that it sticks with me every single time that I see a kickoff in footy is that if you win the opening tackles on your set, that it's one of the things that'll win you games. Um, so every time there's that kickoff, watching who's finding their front, who's getting put on their back. And on that, moving on to the Knights as well, I actually think the Knights are playing like a really well-coached team this year, which is something that I never thought I was going to say about <laughs> a team with Adam O'Brien as coach. I think we um, were saying it in preseason. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck. All right, could be a rough year for the Newcastle Knights. Mm. And I think we said it because it felt like a very... It wasn't untalented. It was uncreative. Yes. Fine. The Yeah, that's exactly it. I didn't think there was going to be much creativity between Hastings and Gamble at all. But somehow, um, being the massive Kalen Ponga fan I am, I somehow managed to underrate one of my favourite players in rugby league. Well, as um, Gamble said just the other day on Willie Mason, <laughs> you can go get fucked. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that's absolutely deserved. Oh. Um, one of one of my favourite things about particularly, and I know you're not going to dwell on this too much, but the Knights come back um, after halftime. Hastings goes off with his injury. They shift Kurt Mann to halfback, but the Knights have their halfback playing on their left edge. Um, and what it leaves is Tyson Gamble being the main person responsible for their attack. And the fact that he was able to constantly communicate and set up things, and you wouldn't even realize that, and that's not to discredit Hastings and what his presence has brought to the team, but you wouldn't even have realized that this was a team missing a spine player based purely on how well Gamble had kept the show running. I knew he was off, but I didn't realise it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I think their left-edge shapes definitely miss some potency because um, usually they, they like to run this Hastings first receiver play. It's, a, it's literally just a basic, no, but not even a variation block shape with um, Ponga running jockey out the back and Fitzgibbon running a line uh, where they usually try run it off Fitzgibbon's offloads. It's something I mentioned um, on the potty last week uh, yeah. when, when Canberra and Newcastle versed each other at full strength last. Uh, they visa, This is a side that prides itself with its, what you mentioned before, winning tackles, fast play to balls, and multiple options when on an edge. Yes. And it's, it's just basic fundamental footy, and they're getting it so right, which I absolutely love. 
And when you have a guy like Ponga who can turn a three verse three into a three verse two, just purely through deception and that step of his, um, it, the best thing you can do is just run those basic block plays on the tram lines because it means that he can buy that space on the short side. And he just, he's been doing it so often. There's a reason he's racked up 21 try assists this season despite being injured and out of position half the time. Um, he's an absolutely freakish talent. It's so good to see that he's been moved back to fullback. Uh, it's definitely where he's home. I also want to shine some light on, obviously, Dane Gagai quickly. Um, even though he didn't play too well, I think he's having one of his best seasons this year. He, The way that he's able to create space for Dom Young on his outside has been freakish a lot of the time. And Phoenix Crossland, the man who I once described as needing to deadlift the ball before he passed it, is <laughs> throwing some of the crispest passes that I've seen in the NRL. Um, he is throwing bullets, I'm telling you. And that is just such a valuable thing for the team. Phoenix Crossland, take a bow. He has become a legitimately good hooker, and he's going to make it hard for Jaden Rayleigh to get his nine back. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, you know, Phoenix Crossland came into the NRL as a halves player, then became a 14. It was discussed him becoming a lock last year. He just had to put on a bit of muscle. It's pretty hard for, like, it doable, but it's pretty difficult for that kind of bloke. Very lean, very skinny to put on muscle. He's jacked now. He's jacked now, but when he was in those halves, he was very skinny. Yeah, lanky. Lanky. Very awkward. Uh, and he, like you said, he's improved his coordination a, a ton, and I think... He's a genuine option to stay at that nine for now. It's just, we all know how good Jaden Brady can be around that ruck. So do you. Yeah. And here's another troubled thing. People ripped on me for this early because I always said Adam Elliott would be a huge loss to Canberra. And was I fucking right? Yes, I was. Yes. And he's been a better gain in the back end of this Newcastle side because obviously he had that injury with his uh, foot. But now, Adams, Adams a fucking one percent player. He will. He is tough as guts. He will. I think. How, let's let's have a look at his uh, stats. Right. Yep. He played seventy six minutes of a ninety minute game. Pretty huge. Pretty huge. Ran for 128. Hmm? He... How many times did he touch the ball and how many times did he run the ball as well? That's That's something I'm really interested in. That's what I'm trying to look at now. The NRL website doesn't like me sometimes. Oh, it doesn't like anyone. Oh, God. That's to all our listeners that work at the NRL, please fix your shit. Um, uh, he received it 23 times, ran for 12, uh, passed it 12, sorry. Yeah, so that's, I think that's also confirming that he is more of, I'm not going to say full on a yo type lock uh, based on the amount he passes it, but he's definitely fitting that Carrigan gerbo mold yeah. of being that link man option in attacking shapes. And I think that's been really good for him as well because there's so much versatility. Um, Gamble through 
I can't remember if it was to Dom Young or not, or if it was to Gago, but he threw this incredibly clean pass out the back of someone. Um, and I think that moment, it kind of clicked for me just how well all some of these Knights' attacking shapes are. Mm. Uh, something else I also want to add is the Knights' second rowers. I think, obviously, second rowers, they're essentially key to how a team defends. Um, and... The way that they work, it's not like Roosters level, um, which I'll get into when we talk about the Roosters, but the way that they use their second rowers in defense, it's so important. And one last thing about the Knights, uh, Leo Thompson. Holy oh my goodness. Shit. The player that he has become, he is, I think, the unsung heroes of the Knights team this year are going to be not really unsung, but Gagai, but then on top of that, Definitely cross London Thompson. What they have been able to do is just completely outstanding. Thompson's defensive work, his one percenters, just yeah. runs so hard, wins his tackles. His PTB. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I mean. Like he, just, he just keeps winning his tackles. He knows exactly how to use his size. So he is the absolute perfect prop for the way that the Knights play their football as well. He's a, it's... he's a great player for when you want to set up a shift or a short side raid. That's that's actually perfect. I think that's the best possible way to put it. And it's I liken it to how Fisher Harris is a very good player for when they run their structures to try and attack certain edges. Yeah. Because it's the same thing they do. They're just able to get as quick as a play the ball as they can. And it's just it's so fantastic to watch. Well, I just look at it because the way, like we've said, like you've mentioned it, I've mentioned it, the way they do that short side play with uh, Hastings at first receiver, but just the way the, like they, they'll shift the ball as well. Gamble, mm. Gamble will play second receiver, but he'll also play that first receiver on the shift. Yep. Which, you know, Hastings, he's not that DCE halfback who will, cut out pass to his winger, that's yep. Ponga's job, or that's Gamble's job. Yeah. So, but the way Gamble utilises that Thompson hit-up is what's really impressed me, because it's just a well-oiled machine at the moment. It It's not a night side that is going back to the old ways of, all right, I'll control my edge, you control your yeah. edge. You know when they did that Mitchell Pierce and um, mm. that type of way they Pearson did it? Pearson for 2021. Yeah. But that it, was horrible. That was horrendous. You don't do that, please. If you, No, it's not a way. If Adam O'Brien is listening, please never do that again. Yeah. The fact that they made finals using that attacking structure is a travesty. And the only reason it worked was because they had a certain Connor Watson who <laughs> would come on. He would come on. He would play the link man role. He would finally get everyone working together. There, there needs to be clinical studies into just how effective Connor Watson is at getting two halves who don't who play like they don't know each other. To suddenly link really well. Um, I can get that information by the way, just so you know. Beautiful. 
yeah, I'll, I'll try and get it um, if they'll allow me to. But <laughs> I think going on from that, we shift our attention to the first game, which is, wow, holy shit, this is a final. And I think it's the now it's a narrative that fits both of these teams, and that's Sydney Roosters, Melbourne Storm. Both these teams got bashed on the weekend, like mm. bashed. Broncos came like we're not going to review last week's games because there's really no point because we're looking like this isn't a seasonal episode this is a finals episode you look forward you don't look back you look forward yes but we'll look back for this one little instance <laughs> i was thinking about today of what we were, i was going to talk about i knew i was going to mention storm getting bashed but the way i was going to describe it is this you know you're in for you're in for the shit when herbie farnworth is being a prick to you in a tackle. <laughs> 10 minutes... In, okay, I rocked up late to watch this game. I'll say that. I didn't see yep. the kickoff. I don't know how brutal it was. I saw the... F- I missed the first five minutes. At the 10-minute mark, Herbie Farnworth makes a tackle. And what I see is not Herbie Farnworth personality. It's him being an absolute pest in the tackle. Pushing, shoving, and he's like, fuck off. And I'm like, oh, Broncos are fired up here. And what do we go? Yeah. The next couple sets, they're just bashing into each other. They don't care. Melbourne did not show up for it. Broncos came in with a bit of fucking ticker about them. A bit of, you know, they didn't show up being a cat. They showed up some ticker. And they yeah. bashed the fuck out of them. <laughs> and you Oops. could, like... They were not stopping. They weren't going to give up, and Stormer were not ready for it. And as Munster described it, after the game, dog shit from them. Which, by the way, hel- most hilarious one-word interview ever. It was perfect, though. It, it it summed up their performance because they weren't up to it. They thought they could show up to Brisbane second week in a row and walk all over them because of history was behind them. You know, Penrith are hungry for this premiership, but Broncos are starving for it. That's the difference, I feel. The only thing Broncos need to worry about is bringing that intensity, saving that intensity for Penrith, if they win against whoever wins out of Waz and Knights. Agree. I I think that... I thought Storm, just quietly, they don't make prelim. Mm. And I think think Rooster... Well, hang on. Before we go further than that, Penrith should be thanking Brisbane right now because they softened up two of the most hard... two of the most hardest teams in the NRL. If you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, especially, and I couldn't agree more with even just Munster's assessment and what you said there about showing up for the fight. 
because you can see that Pat Carrigan, especially early in the game with the way he went at Harry Grant at one point, he showed up for the game the exact same way that he shows up for an Origin game. And we talk about whether the Broncos have enough finals experience in their team, and that's when people talk about the guidance of Reynolds, which I agree is going to be pretty important for their team. But what's also worth noting is the origin experience because he might have had played much finals, but Pat Carrigan, he's got a lot of big game experience. Um, we're talking about winning origin for the past two years. Um, playing for Australia. Winning, yep, played for Australia. Won a World Cup, I believe. Was he play of the series, I believe, um, last yeah. season? Yeah, for Origin, yep. So, Wally Lewis Mount. So, that's combine all of that. And I'd say that I'm fairly certain that that's a player with a lot of big game experience. So, and he, he just oozes it when he actually gets out there and plays. I thought Walsh handled the occasion fantastic. Um, Stags definitely stepped up heaps as well. Um, I thought that opening try was an absolute thing of beauty. I've been critical of him for his workload um, when it comes to yardage at points, but I thought that he was absolutely fantastic. I agree. It was just completely clinical, and I agree. I think the Broncos can go very deep. I hope they do, um, purely because I think it's just that one thing I really want to see Pat Carrigan tick off because I can... Once again, I could spend absolutely hours talking about my love for Pat Carrigan as a player. I think that he is, I think he is the perfect prototype of the modern lock, same as Isaiah Yo, but he's just, he's just got that extra bit of dog in him. He's just got a bit more character, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's absolutely fantastic. I think Melbourne, they're going to have to get themselves ready after that. They're going to have their home final. They're going to be able to bounce back. And I'd really like to just see Munster have one of his classic games that he's always had for Queensland. I think that it would be really good for him. The thing for me is, in my opinion, he's been quiet all season. Hmm. I, like, I honestly cannot remember a game this season or an origin where he's lit a fire under someone or lit, lit fire to a team. I can't think of it. Yeah. I think he's been think, very underwhelming this year. I think I would agree in terms of Clubland. I think in Origin, it definitely wasn't like a 2020 level performance or say last year. But... Yeah. Sorry. Um... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what I'd add basically on top of that is I don't think he needed to have that same role considering the fact that Walsh was there and the way they were using Reese Walsh in attack. He still had his in-goal escapes and a few things, so there were some big moments for Munster. But I do agree. I think that he's... I'm not going to say it's Gagai level, but I am going to say that it's Ben Hunt level. I do think that he's another case of players who kind of have an extra 20% in them for Queensland, but it kind of distracts you and kind of makes you wonder where they are in club land. Yeah, that's very true. I I look at the Storm side, and you look at the Roosters side, like I said, both battered. 
like absolutely buggered. They got they got bullied. Oh, bro, ridiculous. And and uh, that's when you have a guy Christian Welch cannot be out there getting bullied. Um, I thought Trent Loyero obviously had a shocker. He needs to bounce back. Uh, I do like what they've done with their bench here. Nelson Osofa Simona got fucking bullied as well. You don't see that. You really don't. That it I've speaks never a lot. seen him get put on his ass ever. And he mm-hmm. did this game. Like mm. he got like he got controlled. Like there's times where he was still standing up, but he couldn't get an offload up. He couldn't get a fast beta ball. Why? Because he's gone nowhere. He's going nowhere. Because Payne, Carrigan, and every like nearly everyone was like, nah, suffocate him. We do not let this guy give the ball to someone else. You that rush is... up on him and you give him no space. Yep. And I, I like. I feel for this moment, and holy shit, he does not deserve it. But condolences to Pappenhausen. Like really horrible, horrible stuff happening. Absolutely, Third the game worst to watch. Uh, fractured his fibula, so not great. That uh, for those who don't know, the fibula is the bone is on your lower leg. It's the one to the side. You got two. You got your tibia and your fibula. He snapped his fibula, as well as some ligaments it seems. So that's not great. Um, he's going to have to get a metal plate in that guy to heal, but. Because you do not want that thing to heal by itself, because of the it could one. It could not. It could be on an angle, so it could overlap each other. Mm. Uh, and two, it's a very rough spot to do it because, obviously, all your rate is going to go on that angle. And on top of that, yeah, the knee he. I, it, was it the same leg that he did his knee? I'm not sure. Um, I am not sure, but you could just see everyone's reactions, and it's not just Storm. You could see Broncos like Payne Haas is walking with his head behind, with his hands behind his head. Mm. Reynolds and Rolsch immediately there. Everyone was there. You could see Nick Meany's face. You'd be like, wow. But it's a tough game, Rugby League, and it just showed that anyone it could have happened to anyone, but it just happened to Pappenhausen. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, um, and I think one of the most heartbreaking moments was, first and foremost, you could hear a complete pin drop at Suncorp, and that, that never happens. No. Not even when the Titan not even when the Titans are playing. Um, second, I'd like to add that watching the tear kind of come down from his eye when it happened, that that's just one of those things that kind of break you. Yeah. Um, so what shocked me was Bellamy very beforehand, very animated, very visually upset. Uh, if you saw the yeah. video, it's him blowing up, and then the little girl in the background's pointing at him. That was pretty funny. But that was great. 
when you see him covering his face, uh, covering his mouth, it's just it it shows the, the demeanor of that situation. Bellamy doesn't flick a switch like that for anything or anyone. Yeah, he he cares about his players. Yeah, like he could win a grand final and he'd still have an angry look on his head. <laughs> That's exactly it. Twenty twenty grand finals, for instance. Yeah. Well, um, something that, and I think this is, and I, I feel the exact same way about Ricky Stewart, where they have this incredibly angry demeanor and kind of reputation, but I think that they have that massive care factor for their players. Um, 100%. Because it was the same with, same with Ricky when Harunira Waira had the... Um, seizure. The seizure, Yeah. Which that was kind of another one of the more horrifying moments of the year, and um, was quite devastating. So it's it's good to see that the entire rugby league community has basically gotten behind Pappenhausen at that time. I think it's definitely it's going to be a much less severe injury than the last one he's had to rehab from. I think, um, but obviously that doesn't. You can't really just compare injuries when you're going with someone who has that injury history because sometimes it's the mental toll that, that can really kind of weigh on guys. 100%. Um, but we can't, like, let's not just drill on it. I think it, it's ha- yeah. not to be rude, but it's happened. Um, just got to let him go through the process. As he said, we go again. So. Exactly it. Continue forward, but like even the Roosters, they've lost Joey Manu, they've lost Paul Momorowski. Uh, I think it was Suli'i that oh, lost Momorowski's name at the start. My bad, yes. I was thinking the other way around. No Smith, no Manu, no Suli'i because of the stand-down policy. He's had a concussion in the last three months and the 11-day stand-down thing. Um, so you got Pogo coming in, Momorowski, Corey Allen, Jackson Barlow. So yeah, right. Oof. That that's that's a bit rough, isn't it? I take it back. Yeah, yeah. Up against think... Warbrick, Seve, Olam, Smith. No coats, that I might add. He's done. He's uh rolled his ankle. High That's level, so sad, bro. Unbelievable. And young Tottenham appear. That was sad as well. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's um. So we're looking at two teams that are essentially going to be down to their reserves for their outside backs. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the halves in the game kind of attack it. Yeah. Um, speaking of injury recovery stories, I think that. Having um, Sam Walker back and playing the way he is absolutely fantastic. I I would throw Billy Smith in here, but of course he is not able to play. Um, Billy Smith broke his record this season for the most consecutive games, or actually no, the most games he's played in a season. Um, yeah. With yeah, well he played eight of them when he broke the record, so that's that kind of um. Just shows his injury toll. So, yeah, that's exactly it. And the good thing is, though, that as he came in and he started playing some really good footy. Yeah. Um, 
him and Manu have been an absolute joy to watch as a centers pairing because they're both just massive and lanky and good defenders and just Great so, oh, so good. But yeah, I'm I'm really loving the Roosters uh, and watching them at the moment. I think, Zero despite one. the fact he. Siwa Wong, I have, I have a lot of good things to say about Siwa Wong. He was in your under twenty ones uh, episode, wasn't he? Absolutely he? was. Yeah. He absolutely was. And Sandon and believe, Smith. And Sandon Smith. Yep. Yeah. I'd I'd like to think that I've got a decent eye. Um, but yes, Siwa Wong, and along with Nad Butcher. So, and this is something that one of my mates pointed out to me on the Premium Plus Discord server, which is. Not the place you expect high-level footy discussion, but the place where it reaches you anyways. Um, so I'll plug. But this is basically the conversation we had. The Roosters' defensive system works in a way where instead of having the props make the tackles constantly, what happens is the props will go in for first contact and then the second rowers come in and they'll do the ruck work and they will stay in around marker. And what that does is it pushes the props back out to the edge to replace where the second rowers would be if they weren't caught at marker after doing the ruck work. And it keeps kind of happening the way that they work that, where they use whoever's on the edge to keep doing the ruck work so they can try and keep their middle forwards fresh. So the thing to watch for with that is it's it's really cool when you actually watch it and start paying attention to who's positioned where at specifically the three in and the four in defensive spots on short sides. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's it's really fun. And this is like gritty technical stuff in terms of defensive structures, but and the way that Wong and Butcher fit this is actually so fantastic because they're just great defensive second rowers that constantly win the ruck. Um, I also absolutely love this Roosters prop pairing, Fletcher Baker and Lindsay Collins. I absolutely love the both of them. Um, I think Fletcher Baker going to the Broncos is incredibly unfair. I think Broncos will get better next year because Baker is ridiculously underrated. Uh, Collins, obviously, you don't even have to say it. He constantly steps up in big games. So I... Just this Roosters eight to thirteen right now is absolutely outstanding. I I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good forward pack. Look at Storms, yeah. that's that's good. Like, I think Josh King's underrated as fuck right now. Mm. Uh, Trent Larero though needs to step up here. He's uh, yeah, a lot of edge, a lot of edge leaks last week, of course. Uh, but this is where he rectifies that situation and goes, all right, time to play some footy. Yep. But uh, I think Roosters win the forward battle, Storm win the outside back battle. It's really... I agree. Who, like, who's more creative out of Munster and Walker? Who's got mm. that, like... All right. He's got that instinct of, I need to run the ball here, or I need to do this. It's high-level instincts of these footy, of this footy that they need. I think 
yeah cam now he he's labeled their performance as dog shit quote unquote now he needs to back that now he needs to rectify that comment and be like all right i need to perform here as well not just for these guys yeah absolutely um this no, is nothing worse than a hypocrite no it's exactly it. and i think if munster doesn't step up in a game like this it's it's not particularly great looking for him um I think the way that Storm, the way their edges cope, I think is going to be what makes or breaks this game. Yeah. Um, I think, once again, I like what they've done with their bench. I, Sepai Maroa, um, there, he's named in reserves. I, I need to look closely at how he's been over the past few weeks, but I remember when he played against the Eels, and I was absolutely shocked at how well he was playing. Um, that was his first game of the season, mm-hmm. the Storm. He played 27 minutes, um, made 17 tackles, which not that much, but he cracked 100 metres. But most specifically, what was really good was that he was constantly winning his tackles. Um Round 27, he plays 35 minutes against the Bronco, and he plays he plays four rounds in a row, right? So he's clearly a part of the team. Sorry, three, four, five, six, seven. He's played six rounds in a row for the Storm, and he's playing really great footy. Now, we go against the Broncos the other day, and he's dropped. Just a reminder, who is this, sorry? Sepai Maroa. Okay, yeah. So he's he cements himself in the team. He plays really good footy, I think. Like, in terms of him finding his front and winning his tackles in attack, he's fantastic. Defensively, he's a bit, eh, but he's not, like, he's not a horrible defender. He's not lazy. Uh, For example, against Penrith, he made 29 tackles in 32 minutes, which is... That's a really good tackle rate because there's a lot of starting props that don't even make 29 tackles sometimes, let alone doing it off the bench. So, but yeah, I'm I am a big Tepai Maroa fan, but at the same time, I'm also a big Herman SASA fan, so you probably shouldn't listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, I mostly just want to shine some light on Maroa, who, by the way, um, six games for the Storm this year. He's won five of them, and he's lost one. Yeah. And the one that he lost was to Penrith. Um, granted, their opposition hasn't been outstanding, but his performance against the Eels, I'm just, I'm surprised that Maroa hasn't gotten a crack at the finals, and that they've brought Tarek Sims in. Um, yeah, it was just very strange, especially because there's that bench spot open. Uh, with Pappenhausen, but what do you make of Alex McDonald? Love him. Yeah, I, I absolutely love him. He's defensive great player. Effort machine here. Yep, defensive effort machine. Um, wins his tackles and attack. His play the ball speed's one of the best in the comp. Um, like I'm, I'm like literally, it's one of the best in the comp. It's absolutely outstanding. And on top of all of that, I have met him. I've spoken to him. He is an absolutely incredibly lovely bloke, one of the nicest people. Um, and he has also played for Winner Manly. 
So basically, literally everything that could make you have the absolute key to my heart, Alec McDonald has. So He's like Jesus I, Christ reincarnated for you, isn't he? he, he Alec McDonald is absolutely Jesus Christ reincarnated. Um, he is... No, I've got... Absolutely love him. So I'm incredibly excited for Storm vs. Roosters just on the basis of all the forwards that are playing. Well, I think that... Sorry, with yeah? that... What do you make of Sandin Smith on the bench at 14 for Roosters? Um, where, do you, he's, where do we play him? Where do they play him? Well, I think they're going to play him at hooker to try and give Smith a rest. True, yeah. Um, what I think of that, I, I don't know. I think he's he's shown some, some ticker and some decent moments at hooker. I still think that his best footy absolutely gets played in the halves. Yeah. But... Knowing Robinson, he rates him. He wants to give him some game time, especially because he knows that right now his halves pairing is Walker and Kiri, and that that's the best halves pairing that they've got at the club. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know, I'm, I guess it just kind of comes down to the question of Docker, Clay, Hutchison, or Smith for utilities, which is pretty huge. Um, amount of options because just also remembering none of these guys are their first option utility it was Connor Watson but he's injured yeah very true he's been out all season or majority of all season yep which is really sad because um yeah like what he can what he offers to that team whether it's coming on at lock to spell Radley or whether it's coming on a hooker he's no he's a really versatile player I like him what do you see um, another utility in Jack Tapin has signed of Canterbury apparently. I don't know how many utilities they want over there, but they got yeah. another. <laughs> that was bloody um turning into Bunnings Warehouse. Oh god. Utilities everywhere. Um yeah, no, it's it's quite it's quite shocking. Um, I'm guessing that Taff is going to be their fullback. Um Kurt Mann linked with them. Um, not a hundred percent sure how that works because pretty much they understand that you can only use a jersey number on game day one. Hmm. Um. Just like to point out, the last time the all these boys, or, uh, well, Roosters and Storm have met each other, was. 2019-2018 finals, so back-to-back years. However, 2018, obviously, grand final. Uh, 2019 preliminary. Roosters won both of them. By wow. Hand. Yeah, so 21 to 6 in the grand final, 14 to 6 in the preliminary the following year. Wow. Roosters then go on to win the comp against Canberra, 14 to 8. So, You're brave for getting that sentence out. Six again. I know it took a lot. Yeah, yeah, it did. Just ask Muddy Harris. He reminds me of every time we talk. Oh, oh, Muddy Harris, don't don't you just want to flog the SRL Roosters next season? Oh mate, doesn't everyone want to? If you haven't seen those signings, fucking hell. 
no, we've we've seen a lot of them. Uh, this is simulation rugby league talk, by the way. Um, just a simulation sports league that Kegs and I are both in. And no, nah, it's it's no, nah, they're definitely putting together a pretty strong side. Um, hopefully, the uh, Gold Coast Titans can unseat them, though. Wait, you look fucking dangerous next season. We, <laughs> it's nuts. It's been some clever building. Oh yeah, but. I think we'll wrap this up now. Yep. Give our predictions. All right. First game, Storm versus Roosters. Who do you got and by how much? Gonna have to give this a proper think. Um, I I can see I can see a few things happening, but yeah. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with my love of Fletcher Baker and Sewer Wong and say Roosters by ten. By ten. Yep. You see, I think I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a very close game. I'm very shaky about those outside backs of the Chooks. But likewise, to be honest. Like yeah. I I think I think Chooks by two. Ooh. Think we're gonna get a modern classic of a finals game? Yeah. I think they're gonna belt the fuck out of each other again. I'll tell you what, that'll be absolutely fantastic to watch because both of these teams in essence played a grand final. Oh, well, one of them played a grand final. The other one had a grand final played against them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be really fascinating. Uh, I, I think, honestly, this, yeah. I think if you're Penrith right now, you're laughing. Because, you know, these these two teams hate each other. Mm, lots of finals history. Very rough finals history, but on top of that, they have a very well. Hang on, let's look at the team stats. Storm have won nine more like, than the Chooks, so it's twenty-eight to nineteen. Storm's away. Jeez, that's that's actually quite that's quite dominant. I'm guessing that a lot of those would have been racked up in the two uh, thousands, in, in addition the to. Era. Probably, yeah. yeah, well, not just their golden era, but the Roosters also were struggling at that. Yeah, that's true. Well, I I think I think they're in a much better spot than Newcastle are Roosters solely because they didn't play ninety minutes of football. They only played eighty. Although yeah. it took a lot of defensive, like defensive. Pressure, but also just grit. I think they lose. Like they can, they can definitely lose this game. Like anyone could, but they lose yeah. it during the middle portion of the game. And how they depends on who does the interchange better, because that, as you said, the interchange for Storm's pretty good. So, yeah, I think Chooks. They have the better. I think they have the upper hand in that forward pack, and I think. You know, it, it's weird because Sam Walker just runs a muck 
whenever he wants to. And I think this is one of the games where he will run amok. Pair that with yeah. his, pair that off the performance of Sia Wong last week. Could be seeing a bit of a um, slaughter on an edge. We'll see. Yeah, well, it, it's a bloody hard game to kind of predict. I'll say that much. I agree, yeah. I think both they are. They, they both are. Like, if we do mm. Wires versus Newcastle now, I don't know who I could pick because they can... Like, I think this is going to be another close game. Like, it won't be a blowout. Like, all that we spoke about earlier comes into effect and you think the only thing... Like, upper hand they have, Waz, is no Hastings, and they got Adam Clune. So how does Adam Clune fit the mould to that Jackson Hastings role? I think I think he'll go okay. I think what will actually happen is Clune kind of fits into that, um, just executing that basic block shape. Yep. And... Or his job will just be to make reads on that. And I think lots of the organisational work is going to rest with Gamble. Yeah, I think he's stepped up big time. And he'll be... The boots will be able to fit this time. Yeah. And what I'll say for that game is I think it's going to be Warriors by about 16. Really going that high? I am. And... The pure reason for this is I think that there's a lot of class in this night side. Um, but by the way, for the Warriors, just a quick thing. A lot of people are going to think about how far they can go this year. It's not just about that. Next year, they're getting stronger. Longevity. Um, longevity. So, What's the word? Longevity? Yeah, that's it. Longevity, yep. And the way their style of footy is a style of footy based on technical prowess and being well-drilled similar to Penrith, so you can repeat that. Yeah, I agree. I so I agree. Uh, I think that they're going to be much too much for the Knights, purely based on that forward pack battle. Um, I can see, because as much as, like, don't get me wrong, obviously we know established earlier in the episode, I'm a massive Leo Thompson fan. Um, but Adam Fanua Blake is a different beast entirely. Mm. Um Massive Adam Mallet fan, but once again, you got Tohu Harris, who is generally on another level. Yeah. So it's going to be quite, quite astounding to see the difference in the forward pack. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope we get an amazing finals game. Because no matter who wins um, from this game, I'd absolutely love them to go all the way. Um, we see, I love love the Knights because both Ponga and Gagai and Mackay boys, and it's always good to see anyone from North Queensland succeeding. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically who I think the game's going to go. I think I've got a lot of faith in the Warriors to put them away here. I'm going to go Wars too, but by six. I don't think it'll be. Ooh. Yeah, I think a try will seal it. I'm, I'm, I see it now. 66 minute. Block play. Johnson dummies. Goes through. That's... Oh, that'd be a hell of a story. I'm seeing it now. All right. 
I'm I'm sending it out into the universe. It's going to happen. Four, four or five Saturday. Also, like Nick pick this. Why the fuck was there a giant gap between the Saturday four o five game and the next game? There's a like a two hour gap between both of them. They weren't back to back. It wasn't played in New Zealand. It was played in Penrith. You could have played it at six. Just saying. Or he could have done it at five thirty. Yeah. No, well, it's pretty strange. Um, but yeah. Anyway, what do you even? I don't even know what to make of that. It's weird because I it, like. For instance, if if Waz do make the finals, make the grand final, are you gonna make it? A three o'clock kickoff. People work of a Sunday, man. I work of a Sunday. I want to watch this game. <laughs> but I think um, I think it'll be another close week. And I th- honestly, we might. I, th- I I'm pretty sure we know who the grand final is going to be. Just off what we're thinking right now, and I think it's going to be Broncos Penrith. Who wins though is backed on the performance they give the week prior. Yeah, I I can see Broncos doing it. I think obviously it's not the same level as game, but the opening round one clash where Broncos beat Penrith at home. And they did it purely off just their forwards having absolutely outstanding games. Yeah. Because they won, they won that game with no Reese Walsh. That's right. They did that. They did that with Selwyn Cobbo as their fullback, who was not was not fantastic at the fullback stuff. So, for them to be able to do that without probably their best player, that's that's really impressive from the Broncos, and they've been consistent all year so I think it'll be really good to see the kind of fight that they can put against them because they're they're essentially who I'm bandwagoning um, this final series with the Broncos too many boys who have played for the Seagulls who I really want to see winning the NRL Premiership and I think I think they've got what it takes I do too and um, we'll, we'll definitely see we'll be back next week to discuss the prelims you know, what is it? Six teams become four after this week. Yep, four six be- become four. Yeah, four become two the week following, and then two becomes one. So it's really amping up. You know, we'll, we'll definitely be covering uh, covering Prime Minister's thirteen, as well as yes. uh, the little semi miniature World Cup that's going on October thirteenth. Uh, the Pacific Challenge. Pacific Challenge. Also, if you didn't know, Jason Tamalolo will be fighting Regan Campbell Gittard on the <laughs> what is it, seventh of October in I've, Tanville. So I've got I've got a good joke about this one. Yeah, go on. Um, I reckon that they're both going to struggle at boxing because unlike in rugby league, they won't be able to stay on the ground for ten seconds. Oh my fuck's sake. 
<laughs> I just I just needed to get that play the wall speak joke out there. You did, didn't you? Also, uh, <laughs> what I find funny is Nelson Asafa-Solomona is also fighting on the same night, six days after grand final. He did it like if they make grand final, he's got six days. He's got to fight six days later. Oh my god! Talk about a training camp, and I think he's fighting. Um, is it Wallace? Yeah, Wallace. That's that's gonna be so funny. That's gonna be good. Oh, I I can't wait for that. It's I know it's pretty silly, but um, no, it's if if I could if I could pick any fights that I wanted to watch in the NRL. I feel like Wallace and Nas and then RCG and Tamalolo would be the funniest ones I could pick. Oh, I could think of some stinkers. I'll tell you that. But that's for next time. Uh, Mars versus the Queensland Selectors Board. Oh, fuck, yes. (laughs) uh, That is a rugby league. That's a rugby league talks gem. We need to get that on a shirt. But, um... Can't hear you. It's going to take off this year because he's actually pretty damn good. Yeah, it was full of memes the last two years. Now it's proper good. Like, people will probably believe it, but don't know like we did. <laughs> it's it's happened before. It's happened before. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. But until next week, what are we, what are we going to love this weekend? We love our footy. Oh, we love our footy, that's right. Thanks, everyone.